today on the Scott Radley Show on 900 CHML. A graphic was posted online. It was on a story that you could find online. Uh, it was information that had come from the Canadian Real Estate Association, Royal LePage, and Zucasa. And what it did, what this graphic was, what the information was, were estimated property taxes on average homes in 15 cities across the country, big cities, not little towns. I mean, actually, I think there probably are the 15 biggest cities in Canada. Now, the cheapest property taxes, if you want to know where, if you own a home and where you can go and have the cheapest property taxes, Quebec City, St. John's, Newfoundland, and Saskatoon, those, their property taxes for an average home there range from $2,300 to $2,600. And where are the most expensive? Where are the three most expensive? Well, Toronto, not surprisingly, $5,200 for an average home. That's your property tax. Mississauga is second. It's at roughly $6,000 for an average home. And you know what's coming next, right? You do, don't you? Yes. Hamilton, number one on the list. The most expensive property taxes in the country at almost $7,000, almost $1,000 more than second place. And I am having a really hard time understanding why that is. So I'm turning to someone who is a counselor still until November. His name is Robert Pasuda. He's an outgoing counselor, uh, but he is not running for re-election, and thus he is unencumbered by some of the things that someone running for public office may have to answer when asked questions like this. Uh, he joins me now. Councillor, thanks for doing this today. Uh, good evening, Scott. When, when I say these numbers and when we say that Hamilton has this this enormous, relative to everyone else, property tax figure, do you take any issue with those numbers, whether it's to the dollar or not, but generally? Well, it, it's it's true. Like, I even got the figures. I have the figures, and uh, we are high. We're $4,169 average in Hamilton. And uh, it's keeps going up uh, gradually. You know, we've kept the tax rate down, but it's still high. And that's one of the biggest questions when uh, I talk to people, our taxes, and what do we get? And well, why are they so high? Okay. Let's, let's, let's jump right into that then. What, if we are paying arguably the highest property taxes in this country, what are we getting for those tax dollars that other cities who are paying far less aren't getting? Well, supposedly we get all the same services, but, uh, I think our level is higher than other cities. I, I know it's, it's higher. It's because people ask for that. They ask for better recreation. Recreation is one of the ones that adds up to quite a bit. Um, we don't have the industry. We've lost all that industry that used to be, you know, it's flipped around the other way. The industry paid the majority of the taxes and the residents paid the rest of it. It's flipped because we don't have the industry. And they're reaching out to, to get money. Whether, well, I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't want to put anybody on the spot, but I think there could be, a, I know there could be a lot of savings at, uh, at City Hall, um, not City Hall itself, but the whole business of Hamilton. How? Well, one of the things that's, and it's been a bugaboo in me, in the old days when we had Flamborough, and I, I've lived on the, I was born and raised on the farm in 65, up on Campbellville Road. In the old days when we had the people, the public works guys out on the roads, they would do everything from snow plowing to tree cutting, putting in signs. And now, and, and I'm not blaming the workers, but we have union and they have job description change. And their job description is that specific one. They can't do anything else. And so, and hence, uh, you need more people to do that job because the union is put in place. Everybody has their responsibility in their role. 
and that and hence uh, we need more people i mean i'm not saying everybody's laying around doing nothing but we probably could get a little bit more out of uh, a, a little bit of each one if we had these jobs uh, spread over the, the, the worker could do the snowing snow plowing he could do the the um tree trimming a lot of tree trimming needs to be done but now we have forestry we have public works to do roads only we have so it's the way it is we have junk on the side of the road a road guy typically will drive by and pick it up. It doesn't happen anymore. They have to send somebody else out. Every time you send somebody else out, you have to have an extra employees. And gas and time just starts to add up. doesn't seem like a lot when you talk about it, but the size of the city, it happens. I am not uh, someone who is looking for people to lose jobs. I'm not arguing for people to be unemployed. I don't think you probably are either. Nope. That said... If the city was to put a moratorium on hiring for a while and people leave, they retire, they leave to go to other places, it would probably not take very long for the city to drop a few hundred jobs along the way. Could the city survive that kind of thing? Could it still do things if there were a few hundred? Because we have something like close to 7,000 employees or something like that in the city. Could we do with a few less? There's no doubt. In, in my mind, we could use do with a few less. Not that I want to cut anybody's job, but through retirement and that, it could be done and, and do it. Um, some of the departments, building department, planning, uh, we've had the highest building permits ever at Hamilton. They're busy in that department. I've seen it. They're, they're busy, so they need more people to get the process done. But there's other places out there that uh, anywhere from, and, and I, people are going to be mad at me, from waterworks to anything else, there's things that we see as counselors that maybe the general public doesn't see on the spending. Uh, I'm not saying that it's it's reckless, but it could have more control on it. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. We're talking with Robert Pasuda, outgoing counselor, longtime counselor who is not running for re-election, and he is chatting with us. And Robert, right before the break, we were talking about whether the city could, not by firing people, not by laying people off, but simply by attrition when people retire or leave for another job, if the city could get by with a few fewer people. And I think we've both agreed on the fact that probably that could. You're the expert. Why has this never happened then? Why has this not been something around the council table that has ever been taken seriously to look at? Well, Scott, that's a good question. I mean, it's the city kept growing and growing and nobody's jumped onto it. I think I think this next term of council, you'll be seeing that happening. Uh, I don't know who's going to get elected, but I have a feeling that there's going to be a bit of a change. Um, I can't. I can say that our finance man, who's now their acting general manager, uh, Mike Zagari, he does an excellent job. He knows his numbers, but it's beyond where the money's getting spent outside of outside of city hall itself. It's it's out in the field. I want to say it that way. I can give you an example. Uh, contractors, the bids that are coming in are extremely high. You don't get very many bidding. We had the splash pad issue, which uh, uh, Councillor Brenda Johnson and Councillor Donna Skelly was in there. They were talking splash pads for six hundred forty thousand. Where other communities, municipalities are putting them in for three hundred, three hundred and twenty. Um, all these extra studies that are asked for in that, we could we could forego all that stuff. I know it. And I'll give you an example. We're at Rockton right now, setting up for the fair here, and they're shouldering our roads now in the rural area. So shouldering means putting gravel on it, so it takes the so it's the pavement out to the uh, ditch. It's got gravel and it's smooth. They're doing it now. It's almost October. Meantime, all summer long, there was no gravel. You drive up the side of the road and you could lose your vehicle. 
Now they're doing it now. It's going to freeze. Snow plows come, and all that goes over into the ditch and into the fields and people's lawns. I complained about it, and it still happens. I mean, you just can't, you just can't get some people to listen. So, so go ahead. No, I, I'm just wondering then, I mean, if that's the case, um, how, how does, can this get fixed? Is, I mean, when we look at these numbers and let me, let me back up for one second here, because I'm looking again at this, that this graphic and it's showing, I understand that some of this obviously is going to be the result of Hamilton home prices going up and up and up. They've skyrocketed in the recent years. We all understand that. We all know that Hamilton's been a very hot housing market, but no place in this country has been hotter as a housing market than Vancouver. And if we're having average property taxes of almost $7,000, Vancouver's at 2700 it just seems so out of whack. Well, yeah, I understand that. I'm just, I had some figures here that I was looking at. And you're saying, are you getting the report that $7,000 are property taxes, average? On average. This is the one from the Canadian Real Estate Association, Zucasa and Royal LePage. So what I've got here from the city... As per study, Hamilton's average property tax is of $4,036 for detached bungalow in 2017. We're ranked high, but then lower than 15 other cities. So that's where what I'm getting from the finance department. It's $4,036. Interesting. Interesting. Because that would, 4036 would still put us, according to this study, yep. in fifth place, still ahead of places like Vancouver and Montreal and Victoria and Edmonton and Calgary. But how do, okay, so how do we control this then? I mean, we had Dan McKinnon on, who's the general manager of public works, and he was talking about roads and trying to catch up. And even for, and that was on last night, and even for Hamilton to be able to keep up with just the road repairs that we need, he says we need an extra $50 million a year. How do we possibly, if our taxes are already really high and we're still not even keeping up with what we need, how do we do that? How do we keep the, how do we sustain this? Well, that's, that's, that's a good question. It's very hard to do. Things have been let go so long. Money's been put other places, like in same contracts and different things, other places we've been left behind. Now, I, I hate to put it out there, but there's something that can be done to keep taxes down and get roads fixed. I mean, and I'm going to shoot myself in the foot here, but the LRT, if that money was to go towards fixing the roads and infrastructure on Hamilton, we'd be way ahead of the game. That's a lot of coin going into an LRT. And that money was turned around, and I don't know what's going to happen between council and, and our new provincial government, but that would go a long ways in helping and then keeping the taxes at a steady at a steady level, keep it down. Does it ever, you've been on council for how many terms now? Three terms. Three years. terms. Does it ever surprise you when you look at the numbers and you see how far it seems to have gotten away from us? Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm a business person, and, you know, I always say to staff that, it should be run like a business, and they say, no, we're providing a service. Well, if I ran my farm like the city's being run, you know, I, I can't demand from my, my uh, buyers what I want for a price. I have to take what they give me. Well, that doesn't happen in the city. So it's, 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 they're providing a service. And, and it's true that there's a lot of people that are asking for a lot of services that are, and I call it recreation, a lot of it. Recreation costs a fortune in the city to get in place and, and look after. But once again, it's uh, it's for our children and for the, our future kids. So Just I don't know. It's, and it's, um, it's frustrating. I can tell you that. It's frustrating. 
Just before I let you go, um, does all this suggest that it is time for somebody, for some people to make some really, really, really hard, but really politically unpopular decisions at some point? Yeah, it's time. And I think, I think the time is coming. I have a good feeling it'll be this term. Real good feeling. I could be wrong. I've been wrong once in a while, but (laughs) it's, it's, it's frustrating as a, as a, you're only one person as a, as in the council and trying to get things done where you need to, you know, you need to have the majority on a vote for anything and you need to work together on it. And it gets tough to uh, talk behind the doors and, and, and what can we do here? And what can we do there? And this counselor wants more recreation. This one wants more, better roads. This one wants more uh, islands and medians put in flowers. It just, it just goes on and on. No, no counselor ever got reelected by saving money, right? It's by what they built and what they did for their constituents. You know it, Scott. Robert Pasuda, outgoing counselor from Ward 15. I really appreciate the time today. Thanks for doing this. Okay, Scott. Thanks. It's uh, tough words. I mean, and, and he's being very honest. He doesn't have to run for re-election, so he's being very, very honest. It's a lot of stuff there to contemplate and to think about what is going on and what decisions have to be made. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. Some time ago on this show, uh, we discussed a report that was on CBS News. I think it may have been CBS International. You can find it online, however. And it talked uh, in depth about how Iceland, among other countries, had virtually eliminated Down syndrome. Nobody in Iceland, it was something like a 0% Down syndrome birth rate in Iceland. Now, they had done this not by finding a way to ever prevent Down syndrome from occurring in the womb. They had done this by encouraging, pushing, creating a situation where every child who was diagnosed as having Down syndrome in utero was aborted. We're going to get rid of Down syndrome by simply not allowing Down syndrome to exist, even though it still exists, we're just not going to allow it to exist. This, of course, created a huge response on both sides of the aisle. There were some who said this was, while painful, this was the proper thing to do because this was kinder to a child who was going to have a disability, easier for the parents, cost the system far less money. It was the compassionate, in some ways, thing to do. Others were very passionate that this was nothing short of eugenics, that this was nothing short of almost a, a, a regime that you would have heard about in some terrible dictatorial society where anyone who doesn't fit the perfect mold is just gotten rid of so we can try and create the perfect people. Well, we're going to talk about that again today because Sunday is the sixth annual Hamilton Walk for Down Syndrome. Sherry Vanderpool is the mother of... She'll be involved, and she is the mother of a young daughter who has Down syndrome. She joins us now. Sherry, how are you today? I'm good. How are you doing, Scott? I'm doing great, thank you. Now, I probably do not have to go too far into this. I'm guessing I know what side of the aisle you would fall (laughs) on this one. Yeah, I think it's pretty obvious. I have an amazing one-and-a-half-year-old little girl um, who just, yeah, she's the best. So, yeah, you know what side I'm on. Uh, let's deal with some of these issues though, cause you've lived mm-hmm. these other people haven't lived these. They see it from a distance, but let's deal with some of these and, and get some honest answers from someone who does have to live with this. And one of them is, uh, the very obvious one, probably the most obvious question that people would have. And that is that if you bring a child into the world who has a disability, 
that is cruel to that child. If you can prevent that, that that would, that they have to face things and they're going to have a very tough life that other people aren't going to have and exposing them to that is not fair. Well, I think there's a lot of things that people are born with that might give you a tougher life. Uh, I don't think that takes away your value. I think lots of us have health issues, even, um, even being homosexual, for instance, that's tough sometimes, but that doesn't mean that we don't, we don't want you as a society. I mean, it's, it's just, um, and, and on top of that, as far as Down syndrome goes, there's actually been a fair bit of research done on that. And kids with Down syndrome, they're, they love their lives in general and adults too. Families tend to do better. There's actually a lower divorce rate amongst families that have children with Down syndrome. Siblings do well. So, um, I, I know that, um, my experience when I was pregnant with was quite different as far as the information I was given. But there's a lot of information out there saying that this life is a good life. There are, there have to be challenges though. Yeah, there's definitely challenges. Unique challenges. Yeah. And, 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 um, when, when our little girl was six months old, she went through open heart surgery and anybody who's been through even minor surgeries with their kids, you know, how, how awful that is, let alone something like that. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's definitely, it's definitely hard in a lot of ways, but it's so amazing. I, I wouldn't give, I mean, maybe anybody says this about their children, but you, you wouldn't give that up for the world. Another big point that gets brought up a lot, um, and this is, I, I found this thing online. I, I, I don't know how I came across the Dutch Ministry of Health, but it, it's, a, it's a well-known report that they've put out there that Down syndrome, they say, is the most expensive condition to treat, and therefore, by bringing, by allowing Down syndrome children to be born, uh, this puts an undue hardship on the financial status of the state, on on the government. So, I mean, I don't know the the cost of Down syndrome in general to treat in Hamilton, but um, but I know that for us, um, a lot of what we're paying as far as therapy, because our daughter's in physiotherapy, we actually pay privately. So we pay privately uh, twice a week um, for her to have physiotherapy, to have speech therapy, um, partly because Hamilton has a different, um, they've got a different view of how to, how to deal with this. And they tend to, um, unless they actually see a problem, they're, they're not so proactive. Um, but that being said, even if it, it is a weight on the healthcare system, I mean, anything that happens to your child, if your child ends up with leukemia or something like that, who's to say that that child doesn't deserve to live? These things happen randomly, and and we have a society that's big and strong enough to be able to handle these few individuals that actually may have have bigger needs. From your perspective, are these even fair questions to ask? Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, who's to tell me that I can't that my child can't live, and and your child can? Um, just maybe even taking this back a bit, like. When, when, I was, when I was pregnant, and we didn't know much about this, and we got the diagnosis, um, our first encounter with this, our first time to meet uh, um, a high-risk um, uh, doctor as well as a genetic counselor, they talked to us and they said, um, so, so you, you and your husband are both highly educated. Um, you've, you've both achieved a lot. And because of this, uh, your daughter's going to continue to disappoint you over and over and over. Let's pause uh, there for a second because yeah. I want to pick this up because I know where this yeah. is going to go, I think. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. Sherry Vanderpool, 
uh, is the mother of a young daughter with Down syndrome. Sherry, just before the break, we were chatting when you were pregnant and about to have your daughter, what the doctors were saying to you about what you should expect. Yeah. Um, so so the, the doctor we were speaking to, as I was saying, I, I was sort of expecting something different when she started off saying, you know, both of us are educated and we have a, you know, um, we have a lot going for us that she would say something along the lines of, so this will be, you know, you'll have a lot of resources at your fingertips. But instead, she just, she told us that, yeah, our daughter would, would disappoint us and that she'd continue to disappoint us over and over again. She wouldn't go to college. She wouldn't achieve. And, and, and she'd be a lifelong disappointment to us. And I mean, this is that type of conversation. This is that, that, that white room you sit in where somebody talks about the options. And there wasn't anything positive painted to us. And after, after getting to meet my daughter and getting to meet other kids, it just blows my mind that this is the type of message that is the very first message that somebody whose mind is reeling from a diagnosis hears. Um, and, and so when you see those statistics in Iceland, everybody looks at Iceland and says, oh, how can you do that? But this is actually happening here. Were you encouraged they, to abort? Uh, they didn't come right out and say that because when we walked into the room, we said that that's what, um, uh, that that's what our decision was because I didn't want to get into that discussion. But but without saying the exact words, it was very obvious what they wanted us to do. The irony of this, or the oddity of this, I guess, is that you see so many people involved with Special Olympics and other things down the road then, which makes it sound like our society is very welcoming, very encouraging, very enthusiastic about making sure that these people who have this are treated well, and yet it sounds like at the beginning we're doing everything we can to make sure they don't exist. Yeah, I I think, unfortunately, as opposed to more research going into Down syndrome, which could actually help with a lot of other, there's a lot of other things such as Alzheimer's, which are connected. So as opposed to looking into Down syndrome itself, instead, we're just looking into how to prevent Down syndrome as far as our research dollars, um, which I think is a big loss. You, you've probably read this before, but there are medical ethicists and medical philosophers and others who actually would say that you, you had a moral obligation to abort that child. I I don't even know how to start on that. I mean, um, why, (laughs) um, I'm born with, with certain, um, certain things I'm good at and certain things I'm not good at. How can I, (laughs) why should my baby not exist? I, I can't, yeah, I can't even start with that. Have you ever had people ask you about that decision? No, I haven't. Um, I, I, I really haven't, actually. Um, uh, since the beginning, um, we've actually just encountered just so much support and so much love. And I think the thing is, is that once people have met our daughter um, and and they've connected with her, and I mean, it's, it's simple things like going into a Fortino's and having the entire bakery staff come out to like see her and like laugh with her, having people tell me that she's made their day. I, I don't know. There's something, there's something magical and um, there's probably not a better way to put it about the way that she connects with people. And she really does make people's lives better. I've, I've never seen that with another child. 
It is, um, I say, there are two distinct lines of thought on this one. Uh, I I stand with you on this one 100%. I mean, it it just, it seems to me that if you, if you're going to go down this path, uh, then we should be also having discussions about getting rid of babies with fetal alcohol syndrome and with crack babies and babies with any disability. And then it gets really complicated because what happens if you have a child who's born with, say, cerebral palsy, which is something you determine after, just after they're born, potentially? What do you do? That? I mean, it gets, it, we start getting into a really difficult role of playing God here that is way too complicated, I think, for any of us. And, and I, I do know that parents sometimes have to make really difficult decisions about children that they're pretty sure will suffer. And, and I don't want to pass any judgments over that. All I know is that, unfortunately, the information out there um, that should be presented to us is that kids with Down syndrome don't suffer. They, they, they love their lives. They, they really do. And so, and so that message coming out to say, you know, you're doing a disservice to this child just isn't true. You have so many people, so many adults that are, that are fighting to find happiness, fighting to find meaning. And so many people with Down syndrome have those things. You can't generalize, of course, because they're all, yeah, everybody's an individual. But I, I think more so if you're looking for commonality, there is meaning and there is love and happiness and a special connection to, to people there. We have only about 10 seconds left here, but if someone wanted to participate in the walk or donate to the walk or do something, uh, quickly tell us where and when and how and all those kind of things. Yeah, so the walk is happening on Sunday. And I think the biggest message is even if you don't know anybody with Down syndrome, you are so welcome to go. It's a full community event. Um, come on, it's uh, Sunday. It's at Bayfront Park. It's uh, registration is at eight thirty. It sort of kicks off more around nine, and you can donate on the uh, if you if you Google Hamilton uh, Down Syndrome Association of Hamilton, you can Google them, and there's also a place to donate. Sherry Vanderpool, really appreciate you doing this today. Thanks for this. Yeah, thanks so much, Scott. Uh, the website, if you want to find it, it's the walk, all lowercase, all one word, the walk dot D S A H Downs syndrome association, Down syndrome association of Hamilton. Thank you. I should have known that the walk dot D S A H dot C A is where you can find it. You can donate there. You can learn about the walk. You can participate if you want. You're listening to the Scott Radley show podcast on 900 CHML. Well, we did it the other day, but tonight, a special second edition of the week of Will's story of the day. I bring forward three unusual, weird, off-putting, whatever stories from around the world and using whatever criteria he wishes, Will judges which one is his story of the day. William, are you ready for this? I, I'm thinking things must have gotten really weird if we need a bonus round of this. A bonus you, round. I am ready. Uh, first one comes from Michigan where uh, the liquor license of a bar in Michigan was suspended. Okay. Uh, which I'm sure that happens with some regularity. What's the big deal? Well, the reason this liquor license was suspended is this is an axe throwing bar. <laughs> We have one in Hamilton. I think we still do, or Burlington. Uh, it's, it's a lot of fun. My wife has done it before. You go and you like throw axes at giant wood targets. No problem, except this one in Michigan, by the sounds of it, if you're going to be chucking axes around, you'd like to think there might be some rules or control or something. According to this, investigators saw people jumping out of the way to avoid axes hitting them. <laughs> And there was no control over where anyone could go, how many people were there, or where you were drinking your liquor. 
apparently we there were n- close calls while the investigators are in the bar while axes are shoo, shoo, oh shoo, my. flying around. If you're going to run an axe-throwing bar, I would think that at least having a you-can't-walk-in-front-of-the-axe-throwing would be a bare minimum requirement. It'd be yeah. like having an archery bar. Don't stand in front of the arrows. That would that that to me is the like I don't care where you take your liquor per se, but the don't stand in front of the targets would be a bare minimum requirement. No one tried to knock an apple off anyone's head. Not that we heard of. Although, by the sounds of this one, who knows? <laughs> uh, number two on the list. This is not anything criminal. It's somewhat criminal. I mean, not in a typically criminal way, but it, it sounds a little criminal. There is a company that is online right now. The, it's not just criminal that they are getting a too early a jump on Christmas because it is still too early to be doing Christmas. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Costco. It is too early for Christmas. Way too early. We haven't had Halloween. We're still over a month away from Halloween. You can't be selling Christmas yet, but there's a company that's online selling Christmas stuff ahead of time. That's only half of the criminality of what they're doing, however. Okay. Because what they are selling to get a jump on Christmas is candy canes. (laughs) All right. And still, if you're, I mean, Christmas is Christmas. These candy canes are macaroni and cheese flavor. Oh, oh. I'm sorry. It's bad enough that you're selling Christmas now, selling macaroni and cheese candy canes with the Christmas thing is something that you should be shut down with the axe throwing people. That's disgusting. (laughs) That is disgusting. I'm sorry. That is truly repulsive. Number three, that's story number two. And that one, by the way, uh, where is this company from? Um... Well, it's online, doesn't say. Now I know what to get you for Christmas, Scott. Uh, this company also offers candy canes in flavors including pickle, bacon, rotisserie chicken, and shellfish flavored clamdy canes. No! <laughs> That's disgusting. Uh, and number three comes to us from Colorado. And this story is kind of cute if it wasn't, well, it's just cute. I don't endorse this. Please don't do this. If the thought crosses your mind that I wonder if the folks here in Hamilton would be as understanding about this, continue to wonder. Don't actually do a test. A Colorado Police Department 911 operator received a phone call from a 10-year-old yesterday, a panicked 10-year-old yesterday. Uh, Most 10-year-olds who call 911 would be very upset. You could understand that. Uh, but this 10 year old, it wasn't because there was a domestic incident. It wasn't because there was a shooting. It wasn't because the house was on fire. He was doing his math homework and couldn't figure out 3,052 divided by 71. He was struggling to figure out the 3,052 divided by 71 and asked the dispatcher if he might be able to help so he could get his homework done. Now to the endless good cheer of the, the, the operator actually helped him, gave him the answer and said, is that all? And then hung up. So he was nice about it. Not something we want being done regularly. They are 911 is not a service to get your homework done. I thought that was a funny one though. So we have the 911 operator who does math homework for 10 year olds. (laughs) 
We have the macaroni and cheese flavored candy canes, or we have the axe throwing bar that had people <laughs> diving for cover before they were impaled in front of the target. Which one will be Will's story of the day today? Oh, no. I kind of want to go to that bar with a macaroni candy cane, but... Uh, See if I, they can knock it out of your mouth? Yeah, let's try that. Um, you know what? I, I'm in the mood for something nice. Let's go with the with the math homework emergency hotline, which should never be used as an emergency hotline for math homework ever again. That is a good choice. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. I don't know if you know this. You may have heard something about this. I saw it a bunch of places. Today is World Tourism Day. World Tourism Day. And that got me thinking, I love to travel. I don't know about you. I do. I love going places. I love seeing things. I particular, I, I like out of the, out of the way places. I like, I, I like going to places that people have not been to before. I've got long stories about some of the things I've done and see, I'm not going to bore you with all the details, but I, I like going to places that are real tourist attractions. Presu- hopefully they're not like overrun with kitschy stuff. I don't really like that, but we're going next spring. We're going to San Francisco. I've always wanted to go to San Francisco. I want to go see Alcatraz, that kind of thing I love, but I also love being way out of the way, something that no one else has seen. When you come home and you're thinking, I, you know what? I just saw something that is really unique, is really different. But I want to know where you on World Tourism Day, if you had unlimited money, unlimited resources, you had all the time to do this. You didn't have, you weren't constricted by vacation times or two or three or four weeks a year, whatever. If you had all the time and all the money, where would you want to go? What would be the thing, the place, the attraction, the country, the city, the whatever, the historic landmark you choose? It could be literally anything in the world or based on an email I've already got here about this beyond. KG has already written in and says his place that he would want to go to with unlimited resources and unlimited time. He'd want to go to the space station. That's an awesome one. That, that I had never thought about that. That is an awesome thing. Again, if the money was unlimited and the time was unlimited. Years ago, there was a Russian nautical group that was talking about selling trips in a mini sub down to the ruin of Titanic, to the wreck of Titanic. That to me was on my list. That's one that I absolutely would say, yes, I would love to do that. I would love, even though I suppose there is a chance that the Titan, the, the sub could have sprung a leak and I could have been flattened in a split second into nothing. There's risk there, but I, I still, that to me would have been one I wanted to do where if you could go anywhere on the planet or beyond, where's the place you would like to go to 905-645-3221 or star nine, nine zero zero. Chris is up first today. Chris, how are you? No, oh, let me hold on. No, Chris is gone. I don't know what I did. Chris, please call back. I think I, um, when I asked you where you wanted to go, I think I sent you into the ether is where you went. Uh, let's jump up to Fred here and see if I can not lock, lock Fred off. Fred, how are you? Oh, I'm okay. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Where? I, I enjoy your show. I, I wish it you. would go longer. I don't know why they cut you back, but they shouldn't have because you have a very good show, very knowledgeable. Oh, thank you, Fred. I, I don't think they cut me back yet, but maybe they will. Well, I hope no. You weren't at nine o'clock. They went. Now you went to eight o'clock. But I was seven till nine. Now I start earlier. 
Okay, okay. <laughs> you corrected me. Where would you uh, want to go in the world, Fred? I would like to go to Japan because they have the fastest transportation, they have all the knowledge and different things, and they got a lot of money in Japan. Uh, yeah, you know what? That, that, the, the bullet train is actually, is a really cool thing that I would love to try, too. That is definitely on the list that you can go, what is it, like 400, 300 kilometers an hour, 400 kilometers an hour? Like, it's crazy yeah. how fast that thing can go across the country. You don't have country. to go on a rocket. <laughs> you know, maybe we would have more support in Hamilton for the LRT if we could have it set to 300 kilometers an hour. Well, I got to tell you, no, the LRT is no way because <laughs> they have enough problem in Toronto with the LRTs. We don't need it here. Well, we're not going to get into the LRT discussion. I just like the idea of being able to cross Hamilton in seven seconds. <laughs> yeah, but it's only downtown, not on the escarpment. That's true, too. And if someone is jaywalking, they could just be eviscerated. There'd be nothing left. They'd just be a little globule by the time and, the train blew and what, through. And what gets me, too, before I let you do, like, cut me off, it's the same way. They're going to have wires, so it's going to be ice and everything else, so it's no good for for Hamilton. Chris, I appreciate your call. Thanks for that. Okay, bye. Let me go t- to, or Fred, pardon me. Now it's Chris. Chris, how yeah. are you? Yes. Sorry for hanging up on you before. I didn't mean to. Not a problem. Where in the world would you want to go if you had all the time and money? I would like to go to Australia. Why? Because I'm a retired truck driver now, and... Uh, few years back, I was offered the opportunity to go to Australia and run the Australian Outback, running them road trains, and I would really like to experience that. As a trucker? Yes. That would be very cool. That would be very cool. And you know I what? Think I, think it would it, be. I think it would be, uh, I don't know, how long, do you have any idea how long it would take to drive across Australia? I have no idea. <laughs> You'd find out. Yes, they say uh, up to a week, two weeks, depending on where you're going, but I would like to experience the opportunity of pulling three and four trailers at once. That would be very cool. Chris, thank you for the call. All right. Uh, uh, question is out to you. 905-645-3221 or star 9900. Where, where would you want to go anywhere on the planet or beyond if you had time and money to do so? I'll tell you another place that I would love to go to. I said to Titanic, to the wreck of Titanic, which is not going to happen, by the way, I'd, unless the folks who run CHML radio decide to splurge for the hundred or $200,000 and send me there as a, uh, for a first person story. It's unlikely it's otherwise going to happen. I would love to go the other way, more like with what KG said, I would love to go to the moon. Crazy? Yes, of course it's crazy. No one is ever saying that I'm going to go to the moon. None of us are. But as far as just pie-in-the-sky ideas, absolutely. Here's another one. My daughter, back earlier this year, went somewhere that had never dawned on me, never dawned on me, that would be a good place to go. And she and a friend went. And now I'm very intrigued and would like to go Iceland. And apparently Iceland is now becoming a huge tourist destination, thanks largely to... They do things there, like, for example, back this summer, if I understand correctly, if you flew through Iceland, if you had a layover in Iceland and stayed for something like 48 hours, they would pay on Air Iceland your connecting flight to anywhere in Europe. So they got people coming there to stay and see the place, and apparently it's fantastic. Apparently it's fantastic. Number nine on the list of the most visited tourist attractions in the world this year is Iceland. It's the Blue Lagoon in Iceland. Who knew? 
Brenda joins me now. Brenda, how are you tonight? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm excellent, thank you. Where would you want to go if you could go anywhere in the world? Alabama to see Hank Williams Sr.'s grave. I'm sorry. I'm 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 trying to figure. Out, I, I never thought that that would be something that would come Alabama to hear to see Hank Williams' grave. I didn't even know that's where his grave was. First of all, yes, it is. I have a picture of it. And uh, well, you were obviously a big Hank Williams fan then. I'm a big country fan. I grew up with Hank Williams Sr. My father actually saw him when he was in Hamilton, way wow. back in the day. Wow, that must have been a few years back. Yeah, just a few. And I would love to see his grave site. That is one that, Brenda, I, I'm positive you will be the only person today to bring that one up. That's a very cool one. Thank 100%. you for the call. Thanks You're for welcome. the call. Uh, so there you go. We've got everywhere from the International Space Station to Alabama to see Hank Williams' grave. Where would your choice be? I'll tell you what some of the others that are on the list. This comes from, uh, this, is, this is the 2018 most popular tourist attractions in the world. Now, I'm... I'm just trying to look down and doing a quick glance through because these are not places like they, they, this does not include Disney world. All right. This is not man-made. These are naturally occurring attractions. The 10, the nine places in the world, naturally occurring places that are the most popular right now. Blue Lagoon in Iceland is one. Machu Picchu in Peru, which I would love to go see is number two. Stonehenge. Now I just said naturally occurring. Stonehenge was not naturally occurring. So I don't really know what I'm talking about at this point because Stonehenge looks, it's all, it's natural in, as far as the ingredients, it's rocks and grass and sky, but we're reasonably sure the rocks did not get there by accident. So somebody, the Celts or someone put them there. Uh, number six, equally, not really naturally occurring, although again, kind of looks like it's part of the Backdrop, Christ the Redeemer, the big statue in Brazil overlooking Rio de Janeiro. Again, I don't think that statue just appeared. That would be a miracle if it did. Uh, again, okay, so I'm really off here when I said naturally occurring. I'm clearly, the, the coffee that I'm drinking does not have anything special in it right now. I'm, I'm not really losing my mind. The Acropolis in, in Athens, that one I would love to see, would love to go there. Looks like quite a frat party they held there once upon a time, doesn't it? <laughs> really just tore the place apart. Uh, number four, the Eiffel Tower in France. In fact, none of these things are man-made <laughs> or are not man-made. Number three, the Great Wall of China is on the list as, as the most popular places. Number two, one of them I've actually been to, the pyramids in Giza, the Great Pyramid of Giza in Egypt, which amazingly... This always amazed me about this place. And again, 905-645-3221 or star 9900. Want to hear where you would go on World Tourism Day if you had all the money and all the time in the world. You would think when you look at it that the pyramids are way out in the middle of the desert all by themselves, left alone. There's them and the Sphinx, right? Uh, um, Egypt, basically the, the civilization ends like about a block away from it. If you look at the overhead map, all the buildings and everything just stops and there's the pyramids. It's not very far. It's very, very close. Anyway, and number one, any idea, Will, would you want to take a guess? Will's behind the glass. Will's keeping the show on the air today. Any idea what number one on the list 
would be, and this one is a naturally occurring phenomena, a naturally occurring place. Mount Rushmore. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Mount Rushmore yeah. happened by accident. <laughs> no, a lot closer to home, apparently. Number one on the list of the most popular tourist attraction in 2018. Ready for this? I think you're going to be shocked. And I actually find this very hard to believe. And maybe that's just because we're used to it. But apparently hosting 30 million tourists annually, according to this, Niagara Falls, the number one place that people want to come and see, Niagara Falls. I Maybe it's because we've seen it so many times. That really would never be on my list, but that's probably because I have seen it. Uh, Phil writes in, if I had the time and money, I would love to go to beautiful Hawaii, enjoying the sun, beaches, drinks, sights, and sounds. Book me to Hawaii, Dano, he says. Well, there you go. There is, uh, there's Phil's choice. Would you have guessed Niagara Falls, though, Will? Would you have thought that Niagara Falls would be the number one place on the list? You know, I feel guilty. I would not have guessed Niagara Falls, but it makes sense. I mean, I have heard other people from around the world talk about, oh, They I all want to come. Yeah. They all want to come. And I think it's all to see the wax museums. <laughs> the Madame Tussauds Wax Museum, I think, is the real reason. Uh, as far as, we only have a few more minutes here, but as far as the cities that people want to visit, because those were landmarks, as yeah. far as the cities, uh, here is the, in order, the cities that have the most tourists annually as of last year, Prague, Czech Republic, 6.4 million international visitors. Vienna, Austria, I'd love to go to Vienna, 6.63 million. Shanghai, China, 6.65. Rome, 7.3, another place I'd like to go. Taipei, Taiwan was 7.8 million. Osaka, Japan was 7.9. What is in Osaka that would make it such a, any idea? I, I have no idea what would make Osaka such a tourist area, but 7.9 million international visitors last year. Milan, Italy, 8.4. Amsterdam, Netherlands, 8.7 million international visitors, 8.4 million of which went immediately to the cannabis cafes, if not the red light district. Uh, number 12 on the list with 8.9 million, Barcelona, Spain, or as said by the Spanish, Barcelona. Did you know that's how they said it? I have been told this. We have fights around my house all the time because they think I'm making this up, but the Spanish actually call it Barcelona. That I, yeah, that is the correct pronunciation. Thank you. See, that is. As far as I know. <laughs> Are you not Spanish? Uh, no. <laughs> well, then I'm not, I'm not going to win that fight. Number 11, Istanbul, Turkey, 9.24 million. 10, Hong Kong with 9.25. Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia, 12.1 million international visitors. Number eight, New York City, 12.4 million. Seven is Seoul. I can't believe Seoul, South Korea gets more international visitors than New York. That sounds wrong. I mean, Seoul's a great city. I've, I've been there. I spent a summer there, but I find it very hard to believe it gets more international visitors than New York City. Maybe they just eked up there. They just beat New York recently. Or maybe it's because they get people who are visiting from other places in Asia and there's so many people in Asia that that drives up the number. I'm not sure. Yeah, it could be. It's a, it's a neighborly thing. Yeah. Uh, so seven, Seoul, South Korea is seven. Six, Tokyo with 12.5 million. Five, Singapore with 13.45 million. Dubai, number four, 16 million international visitors to Dubai. And all of whom are loaded beyond our possible dreams. Well, at least the folks there, it seems most of them are. Number three, Paris, 16.1 million international visitors. 
Number two, London, England with 20 million. And number one, what do you think is number one on the list? Medicine hat. I don't know. Uh (laughs) (laughs) Medicine hat, yes. I don't think you'll get this one. And I would never, even if you tell, when I tell you this, I don't think you will think that this would be the one that you would be in mind. See, I would think my thought would have been Miami, maybe, possibly Orlando, again, because of Disney World, something like that. I would have thought maybe Los Angeles. I'm thinking a lot of North American ones. Um, I, I don't know what, number one on the list, most visited city in the world last year, Bangkok, Thailand, 20.2 million people visited there. Huh. International visitors. So not in-house, not people in the country. Internet, people visiting from outside. And you know what? That is just one of those places. I don't know why. Not on my list at all. I have no burning desire to go to Thailand or to Bangkok. I'm sure it's a lovely place. It's just not one of those places that I've written down and said, yes, I got to make sure I get there before I'm done. I have heard some very nice things about it. I have also heard it has a bit of a reputation the way New York City has a reputation or Las Vegas does. So They didn't write that song One Night, one night in Bangkok for nothing. <laughs> I don't even remember what that song talks about. I just know the name of the title. It's been a while since I've heard it. But it mu- there must be some wild nights in Bangkok if uh, if they're writing songs about it. Maybe it's just an intersection of all the people seeking wild nights and all the people. Maybe it just caters to everything, and that's why they go. Anyway, today is World Tourism Day. Send me a note. Love to hear, if you were too shy to come on, love to hear what city, what place, what site, what attraction, what whatever you would love to go to, you'd love to see if you had all the money and all the time in the world. The Scott Radley Show. Weekday evenings from 6 to 8 on 900 CHML.